You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host. Hi, welcome to the Georgia Liberty Cast. This is Ryan Graham, uh, the chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia, and I have with me Laura Williams, the vice chair. Hi, nice to be with you this evening. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Um all right, so let's just dive straight into it. I thought the other one went a little long, so we're gonna we're gonna try to keep these a little shorter. But um, let's keep it moving. But let's keep it moving. That's right. All right. So the first thing up is just a, a reminder that we want uh, that we have our ballot access lawsuit coming up. We're still fundraising for it. We have, I think, about twelve thousand five hundred dollars now. Um, we still need about twenty thousand dollars. We just got another bill. We have an awesome lawyer who's doing all of this work. Because he believes in it and right. not charging us for the labor, we're just covering his costs, most of which is copying files and moving documents around yeah. per the state's orders. Yeah, well, we just got a we just got a bill for $2,000 that was just making copies of all the documents he's already made copies of in the past for the new court system. Oh. And he's got to, you sure. know, you got to go through their for people. For the appeal. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, it's pretty silly, but we just need we need help with that. So if you go to lpgeorgia.com, at the top, just click on um, click on the, the, the Donate Now button, whatever it says. Um, there's like a thermometer there. It's very apparent that's what you're donating to. Um, so go ahead and click on that and donate, and uh, we're going to go ahead and thank you from... In advance. In advance. All right. Um, <clears throat> so And last, last week we talked about candidate qualifying. Uh, so this last week was candidate qualifying, and we had all of our candidates qualify. Shane Hazel for U.S. Senate. Brian Selinski also for U.S. Senate in the other race. Um, one of the things I hate about this is how, um, even on the Secretary of State's website, and you got on to me about this, I, I tried to do it one time too, and then I realized how terrible it is. They identify the seat by the person in it already, right. by the incumbent. So you can only run for Isaacson's seat. There Wafflers. Is- uh, there is no. It's worse. Yeah, it's identified by the person who holds it as though the seat belongs to them or to their party, and then. So every um, every time you talk about it, you're giving them an advertisement. Right, and it seems to seed the point that we're petitioning for seats that belong to certain politicians, right. not to the people of, you know, East Georgia, West Georgia, Georgia One, Georgia Senate Two. I don't know how. It's not tremendously... Which is one and which is two, though. I know. Yeah, it's not tremendously easy to identify two identical statewide races. Usually you'd have somebody running for the junior seat. Yeah. But it happens that ours are both up this year. Right. So I I usually um, have been saying the the general now and the special election. So Mm -hmm. Shane is in the general and Brian is in the... um, Brian's in the special election. So, um, and then Elizabeth Melton and Nathan Wilson are our public service commission candidates. There are two different positions for that. So they're not running against each other. Everyone can vote for both of them. Um, and both of those races, man, we were crossing our fingers on those that one of them wouldn't have a Democrat in the race, but at the, the literally the last day and the last hour, uh, Democrat, two Democrats jumped into Nathan's. Yeah. Um, and one of them ran, um, it, it, for district three seat two years ago, uh, and lost in the special election against uh, Lind- Lindy Miller, who ended up running against me, um, John Noel. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've had a little contact with him. So uh, he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. We got him to sign a petition one time. That was great. It's a relatively small circle. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's running in that. Um, and then there is Martin Cowan, of course, last but not least. Uh, but he's in a districted seat, so he's running for U.S. Uh, House District 13. Um, and the big thing with Martin is he needs to 
petitioners. He needs to petition to get on the ballot. And actually, for us to have better standing in our court case, he needs to petition more, right? He's got to do a pretty good job petitioning so that he can say, look, I went out there and collecting I tried. Collecting signatures yeah. is what we mean by petitioning sure, in this yeah, case. Yep, yeah, collecting sorry. signatures for the right to appear on the ballot. So he's got to make a good show of it so that he can turn up in front of the judge and say, listen, I made a good faith effort. We all knew that this standard was impossible to meet. It was set up to be impossible to meet. He'll he will be what attempt number thirty one or something, something like to that. qualify yeah. for a house race as yeah. a third party. I think it's his third attempt. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, so he yeah he's he's kind of part of the LP Georgia old guard and has been around doing this for a while and um, knows that this is a good fight. So part of the uh, plan there going forward is to actually go out on the primary days and get voters as they're leaving the the um, ballot office, mm-hmm. the precinct. Right. Um, so that way they can, you, you know, they're registered vote, voters. And that you're in their district. And that you're in their district. Exactly. So um, one thing that we need is volunteers for that, though. So if you want, you can go to lpgeorgia.com slash sign up and t- let me know you want to be a volunteer there or email volunteer at lpgeorgia.com and let me know that that's what that's what you want to volunteer. And that's Tuesday the 24th. That is March 24th. Yep. Correct. Um, and so that's for the first one. The other, there's a there's another primary day because the presidential primary is its own special day. And then there's a general primary that's a little bit later. I believe it's in May. Um, but I don't have the date on me because I'm not as prepared as I should be. <laughs> um, all right. So next up on LP Georgia News is Talk Justice Tuesdays. Um, we did sign up to co-host two of those. Um, one of them we already did. And the other one is going to be on March 17th which is in two weeks, and it is the, the subject of it is the final days of the 2020 Georgia les- legislative session. Now, this is before we knew, we, we scheduled all these out before we knew they were going to take that break and then uh, last until, uh, I think they're going to go in through April now. Um, so it's a long legislative session, but we're going to talk about all the different things that got passed um, and then kind of start looking on the horizons, which will be a little bit tough in this um, in the even year because it's the end of a biannual legislative session. So all the bills that were filed are basically going to get scrapped. And next year, they're going to start with HB1 and SB1. Um, so that Talk Justice Tuesday is March 17th. It's at the Capitol um, at 9 a.m. More information on Facebook if you want. If you go to LP, uh, if you go to uh uh, justicesday365.com you'll find Talk Justice Tuesdays there and all the information will be there so um, that's it and then um, so we're going to go into the mainstream news and <clears throat> it's interesting so uh, AJC had an article this week about um, the seats not being challenged in the General Assembly so I you know I made it a point Last year, I looked through all the different races, and I, re- I found 60, about 60% of the races were going unopposed. And then, Laura, you found out that that represented about 80% of the population. Right. right? 80% of Georgia voters had only one choice on their ballot for Georgia Assembly. Right. Um, so <clears throat> they, they sort of reported on that. In 2016, um, it was 80% of General Assembly seats went unopposed. So it, they did it backwards. They were saying these are the ones that were, were opposed. So there was 50 of 236. Um, only 20% had options, right? So then in 2018, only 40% had options. And then this year, it's about 50%. So they, they were saying this is a new era and that it's a, you know, they were celebrating it like that's something good. But I'm like, 50%, that's terrible. 50% of, of the districts in Georgia are, are going. Are, are not races. Right, yeah. Are literally uh, yeah. not elections. Yeah. Right, one party is not 
that doesn't qualify as having an election because the seat it cannot possibly change hands no matter how you vote. And actually, if zero people showed up to vote for that, the state of Georgia would assume that the person running still wins because they assume that you would vote for yourself. Right. That's in the Everyone law. could skip the race. Yeah. And they would still keep their Literally seat. no one could vote for it. Yeah. <laughs> and they would still win. That's ridiculous. So <sighs> what we need to do is start challenging in that 50%. You know, like that's, that's the thing is those people, you don't know if they have a, if they, they don't have a voice right now, but they're all petition races. They're all petition races, but we have trouble recruiting people for, you know, people want to run for office. They don't want to collect signatures. I agree. You shouldn't have to, while we're working on that, we're going to need you to. Yeah. We just got to do it. We just got to try. So, and we'll try to get you some help. Exactly. We'll be out there. I helped every single candidate in 2018 myself, Mm -hmm. uh, let alone. You'll be out there on the 24th. That's right. Collecting for either Martin or. Danny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's up in the air. We, we may be endorsing another candidate. <laughs> we have not endorsed yet. Okay. <laughs> but, I take it all back. Yeah. Well, so we'll... You'll fill us in. We'll announce it next week, probably, uh, depending on what happens. So, um, <clears throat> all right. So the next thing uh, I wanted to talk about was the, the AJC's complete... Well, all kinds of different articles are reporting on all the qualifying... And have been really successful at just completely omitting the Libertarian Party candidates. So there is literally an article called, Who's Running for Georgia's U.S. Senate Seats in the AJC? And there is absolutely no mention of Shane Hazel or Brian Slowinski. Nothing. And it's like, well, they've already qualified. They're already going to be on the ballot. Right. They're, you know. They are candidates for this office that yeah. you have chosen just to leave out of your coverage. That's right. It's, it's, it's insane. So people are going to go there expecting to be able to do a little research and then they're not going to see. And, and then people wonder why we're not more successful, right? I mean, yeah. but then they're like, we don't have to cover you because you're not successful. Mm-hmm. But that's not your job. Right. To decide So you that. dropped some strongly worded emails. Uh, I did. I did, actually. <laughs> and we should have a piece in the AJC dedicated to just us coming out on Wednesday. Um, but Will but I, they, in fact, fix well, the article? He started ignoring me. Uh, mm-hmm. He was respond responding, and I was I was being very pleasant. I was being very pleasant. And the last one I sent was, uh, I, "I apologize for bugging you, but you know what they say about squeaky wheels." And like you know, I just made it like kind of light of the fact that I was bothering him, and uh, nothing. Could I just possibly crickets. impose on you to do your job? <laughs> is my question. Yeah. So that that article is Greg Bluestein, who writes pretty much most of the AJC politics and then Tamar Hollerman. So if you guys want um, on there, it's, uh, I forget their email, but I'll drop it in the show notes if I can find it, if anybody wants to drop them some emails. Be nice though. You know, that's, yeah. that's all I ask. <laughs> Be respectful. We right. want them to help us out. We it don't... is a search for information. Yeah. Right. You, we want to be gently reminding them of their duties rather than bashing them for failures that can't be changed. Right. They're not going to change politics correspondence, so we got to cultivate this guy. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's just something I noticed, and uh, I've been I've been finding other articles and, and sending out nice emails. So if you guys see those, just find out who wrote them. Usually, you can find um, their email addresses on like the about page. Uh, you can at least find an editor and just say, "Hey, look, this article is you know omitted valuable information to voters. If you could please add it, that'd be great." So when you see that in wherever you are, just help us out. Um, all right, so the next story I had up here was about the, um, it, it's not LP related, but it is sort of il- illustrative of how the um, establishment political parties do business. Um, and this is a, an, in the race for the Georgia Supreme Court. 
Um, so there was <clears throat> Justice Keith Blackwell ha- announced that he's going going to resign after the November election this year. Um, and what traditionally happens is, uh, and you'll hate this too if you're a libertarian and you're listening to this, traditionally the justices will step down prior to the election and then the governor gets to a point and then they're appointed for two years, skipping the election altogether. That's what normally sort of happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a tradition is what they called it. What <laughs> uh, one of the political guys talked about on podcast I listened to. Um, so this one's a little weird because he's, he's just announced he's going to resign, which is obviously not binding um, after the election. So when uh, former U.S. Rep. John Barrow, he also ran for Secretary of State last year. He's a, he's a Democrat. And um, former State Rep. Beth Beskins, uh, who's a Republican, showed up to qualify last week. They were turned away by the Secretary of State. And they said the Secretary of State basically told him, hey, we're not qualifying for that position. The governor fully intends to appoint. And they're, you know, they're like, but there's an election coming up. What are you right. what are you doing? Um so both of them have filed suit, but it's it's just sort of insane mm-hmm. that they're holding that seat, essentially. Yeah. They're just determining whether they feel like having an election or they've got the guy that they want. Yeah, it's pretty silly. Um, and by silly, we mean infuriating. Infuriating, right? So they're, uh, John Barrow's quote that I read was basically talking about how you're denying, like, this is the ultimate in disenfranchisement because you are completely taking away the ability of the citizens to vote. Like, 100%. It's not even, it's on its face, it's blatant disenfranchisement, which it is. So, <clears throat> just another way to do it. Um, all right. So, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, um, something that, uh, Laura and I actually went to. Um, the, the, we went to a, sh- a screening of Little Pink House recently. Mm. Um, and it was the Housing Justice League put it on with the Institute of Justice. And were there any other organizations sponsoring that? I'm not 100%. I'm not sure either. Those were the two main ones, at yes. least. Um, and it's a, it was about an eminent domain stealing people's houses to use for corporate um, cronyism, essentially. Yeah, to, to be, quote-unquote, redeveloped and given to some corporation that can provide a better tax base. Right. Because that is uh, construed by Kilo versus New London to be... Uh, a public benefit. But yeah. if you're improving the tax base, that's good enough to qualify as a public good for eminent domain. And so um, the Little Pink House documentary is about the Kilo versus New London case um, from 2007? Yeah. In there somewhere? Yeah. And it's still happening in downtown Atlanta right now. I'm sure other places in the state, we're, we just happen to be most familiar with People's Town. Yeah, yeah. Where we're, we're just north of there. So. Yeah, people's uh, names are being taken off their deeds. The developers have, or the council members have pretty publicly said, this one individual can stay in her house, it's fine. We She won't live that much longer anyway, so we don't need her to move out. Right. And that is being framed as like mercy instead of we're just waiting for this lady to die so we can take her land from her heirs. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, we're pretty against eminent domain on its face. Yeah, pretty uh, much for anything. It yeah. is, strictly speaking, constitutional. That particular uh, use of of power is built into the Constitution. It is, however, generally unethical. It's a major reason I'm not a constitutionalist. <laughs> Because <laughs> it is baked in, right? That's that's there and legal. It's one of the big ones for me. So that and, you know, slavery. We talked about that, I think, in the last podcast. 
um, so <clears throat> basically in people's town, they want to, uh, they want to take this land and build a retention pond and a park. Um, it's a, a Japanese garden is what they want to put in there and they yeah, want to steal. It's in it's, no way clear that this is environmentally necessary or would improve the infrastructure. In fact, um, uh, there, the housing justice league has, re- uh, recovered some emails where the members of the committee are talking. It's an engineer. Yeah. Saying we don't really need this. This is not necessary. Right. In order to preserve drainage on the land, and they have decided they're going to do it anyway. And then the residents actually have gotten together and come up with another. They hired an engineering firm yeah. to come up with a different plan that does not require the taking of any property, and offered it as a as a substitute. And they they're still kind of pushing for this. So um, the the in, the interesting thing about this week's news was the Housing Justice League and some of the people from People's Town traveled up to South Carolina where Joe Biden was uh, campaigning and they were because kind of guess who's campaigning for him. That's right. Yeah. Mayor Mayor Keisha, uh, Keisha Bottoms is is a major surrogate for him. And so they went up there to basically embarrass him for having mm-hmm. her as a surrogate because she's trying to steal these people's land. Yep. <laughs> Which I think is awesome. Yeah. And has has gotten them some attention, got them kicked out of a hall in South Carolina. They were removed. I didn't see that. That's great. Yeah. Um, so we'll have more information on that in the in the show notes. Did you have anything? They've, they've also been posting like wanted posters, of, like "Have you seen our mayor? Like she's missing." Well, so missing in action, yeah. off campaigning for Biden because she's broken this pretty fundamental part of her campaign that she was going to help improve affordable housing. Not only is she not doing that, she's like authorizing the tearing down of housing that people would really like to continue living in. Thank you very much. I, I've heard through the grapevine, total hearsay, right? Sure. That that even people in her inner circle are sort of starting to complain about her her absence from Atlanta. So um, that is that is kind of been a problem. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and move on from mainstream news into um, the different bits of legislation. So last week we had a little bit more. This week we're gonna go over some new and then some updates. Um, on, on some of those um, bills. So HB 994 is one that we talked about last week, um, and that was expanding the definition of a gang to any group of people. That did pass out of committee, but it had some changes to it. They removed some stuff. They didn't add anything. Right. They removed a number of the potential crimes for which kids 13 to 16 could be fast-tracked fast into the adult criminal justice system. There were system. 33 new offenses. They, they removed that from the bill. So Yeah, I think they removed 30. Is right. what I read. They oh, were like okay. down to a handful. Oh, okay. Um, so then they also um, removed the allowing of prosecutors to charge people with gang offenses not occurring in their county. Um, and then they also removed making criminal gang activity an aggravated factor for the death penalty. <laughs> so they were trying to expand the use of the death penalty in this bill, which is insane, right? right. We're, we're fighting to get rid of it. So. Yes. Um, what did remain were, were um, two new offenses that were uh, could call uh, gang-related, essentially. Um, five new offenses that require registration as a sex offender. Um, I don't know what those offenses are, but generally I think we've overdone that. <laughs> yes. So, being... Right. Overdone it almost to the point of it not being a useful designation anymore. Except the... for to harm the individual for the rest of their lives. Right. But it's, it's been drawn so broadly. Right. That it's not useful for parents or people running background checks. It yeah. is 
it is just a punitive measure that can be tacked on to certain prosecutions. So like as a as an everyday citizen, somebody says that my neighbor is on the, the sex offender list and I now know that I need more information before I cast judgment on that. Right. It shouldn't be that way. It should yeah. be simple. It should be cut and dry. Yeah. No, don't. Yep. Don't go near that house, right? I mean... But. Yeah, but it could be that they urinated against a tree near a playground in college, you know, in the middle of the night with no kids present, right? It's it's no longer a good uh, barometer of whether someone is a threat. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so there's that. It establishes harsher penalties for people who are alleged to commit criminal gang activity. So basically, they can call it criminal gang activity, and then they up the penalties. It's sort of like the uh, possession of a handgun in the commission of a crime, where they, you know, if, if you had, uh, you know, possession of cannabis, and, and then you have a handgun, they'll tack on like 10 years just for that, um, which has been a, a major way that they increase the incarceration rates, um, uh, predominantly people of color. So um, there's that. And then it it also expands the definition of gang activity to include um, really silly things like felony obstruction, right? Like what does that have to do with gang activity? But now you can call that gang activity. And then and you can call virtually anything obstruction. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not letting the police railroad you is functionally obstruction. Right. Yeah. And and now that that is that's considered gang activity and then you get harsher penalties because they tacked on gang activity to it. Um, so it's still a pretty terrible bill. If you're, if you hate that, you know, make sure your messaging, it's, it's going to go to the house now because it's out of committee. So make sure you let your house rep know that you're not for HB 994. Um, the next one up is HB 847. This is the one that basically closed the loophole for, um, hemp carrying hemp, that it has to be licensed and you have to show them your papers, um, that you're not innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. Um, and by loophole, we mean legal product right so <laughs> yeah so this passed out of the house overwhelmingly uh it was 159 to 7 even people that are typically on our side on things um you, you see democrats a lot that are you know not going for this kind of stuff mm-hmm. they all voted for it I mean, it's like matt gertler basically voted no he was no on everything Alone. so yeah <laughs> um there was some some people who just uh, did not vote, they were present and didn't vote, which happens quite often. Um, and you can usually count that as a no or against the overwhelming vote. Yeah. Um, but still, the my thing is, is, is Republicans and Democrats overwhelmingly voted yes to this, um, proving that like, you know, one one party over the other is, is not the right way to necessarily look at this. And I've been guilty of it in the past, too. I mean, I was guilty of it probably a minute ago, I think I was giving the Democrats more of the benefit of the yeah, doubt. You're usually on our side uh, on this. I shouldn't. Nope. And and certainly this is not in Georgia. Why we exist? Right. People are like, why do you think you need a third option? Well, I think people need a tenth option, but that's right. neither here nor there. Because there's not <laughs> a single bit of daylight on lots and lots of issues right. between these two parties, yeah. and that's most evident in all of the things that don't get talked about. Right. But every once in a while, you get something like this, where like there's a common sense. This one's obvious, guys. And no, they all bunch together and go in exactly the wrong direction. Yep. And and honestly, like, uh, this is one that I, I looked at and said, well, you know, this probably won't pass because um, I, I figured I had enough allies on this. I even went up to my house, house rep's office during Justice Day and I talked about this one specifically. Um, and I said, you know, I didn't actually speak to him. I spoke to his chief of staff. Sure. But I was, I, I was like, well, usually votes with right on on the issues that I'm here to talk about. So, 
you know, I'm not super worried about it, but like, I guess I should have because he voted yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I don't make assumptions. Right. You cannot <laughs> count on people to use common sense. It yeah. is not as common as it is billed. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next thing that we have, uh, oh, so that'll be going to the Senate. Um, so if, if you, if you feel especially, um, uh, passionate about that one, contact your Senator, um, let them know. Like I said, don't make assumptions. If you think they're good on it, don't think they're good on it. Let them know, make sure that they know that you're either on their side and in voting no, so that they know they have the support of their constituents or let them know, no, if they're going to vote yes. So, um, all right. So the next thing on the list is, um, it, this bill got introduced on the house side and the Senate side. It's a uh, Senate bill 318 and house bill 995. And it's the forum act. Um, this was introduced by our friends at Americans for prosperity written by, and, and they did the lobbying to get it carried and, and put forth. Um, but basically it's a law to eliminate free speech zones at public universities in Georgia. Right. Specifically to not allow campuses to restrict free speech to certain zones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had an issue with the way that's being phrased, like get rid of free speech and then the zones get tacked on at the end. Like oh, the, the yeah. point is to expand free speech right. by getting rid by of not having zones. Yeah. By yeah. getting rid of the little um, designated area that campuses are increasingly able to restrict certain kinds of political speech. Right. And this is, and, and it still is like, it's weird because it does still limit, like you can't go into a classroom and start yelling, you know, whatever you yeah. want and disrupt the classroom. Sure. It's still, it's still like limited to courtyards or like places where public people spaces, are eating, yeah. public spaces and things like that. Yeah. So it's not a license to go disrupt the classes. But let's not kid ourselves that in every university classroom, certain political agendas are being pushed. That's true. All the time. That's true. Right? There is no space where there isn't political speech on campus. That That is a myth. Right. To do with a dominant ideology that you're not allowed to disagree with. Right. Um, so the second thing it does is it removes speech codes, essentially, for, so that college administrators can't set rules that set the standards for allowable speech. At public taxpayer-funded universities, you may not violate... Uh, free speech laws that are in place in other public spaces. Right. You can't function as a private college administrator at a public university. Correct. Yep. So um, I, that all makes sense. And that's what um, I think we have a lot of support on those two two items for across the, the aisle. You know, there's, there's Republicans and Democrats that are supporting that. The third part is where it's getting a little sticky for the um, for the Democrats, um, because the third thing it does is it ensures freedom of association. And it basically allows all the clubs to decide their own criteria for membership. Right. So if you're a devout Christian and you say no non-Christians or yeah. LGBTQ, I, you know, they don't want them to be in the club, then you can make those rules. Right. You're allowed a women's only club. Right. Although that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Nobody's doing genital checks at the door. Yeah. Right. We're already operating on a certain level of social fiction. Yeah. You know, maybe it's more straightforward for other kinds of groups, but it's it's hard to uh, imagine how even a dictated membership code could be effectively enforced on lots of these um, identity issues. Yeah. Uh, sexual orientation is even harder, right? It's like, right. Or how, do you how, prove, how do you prove any of that? How do you find out if there's an atheist mole in your choir? I don't <laughs> like either. Maybe they just like four part harmony. Leave them alone. Who cares? <laughs> like, I, I don't care. <laughs> so either, either way. Um, you know, the, the whole idea is like, like as society 
gets better and better at these types of issues, those those clubs aren't going to do very well, and right. they're going to have competition that does do a lot better. Um, and it's it's a it's good. I think it's good for the mm. health, uh, like for healthy discourse around those issues. I don't I don't see a lot of difference between that and safe spaces. Yeah. So I'm I'm one of those people who's like totally on board with the first two provisions, and then the third one got dropped. That'd be fine with me. Oh really? Yeah, I don't. So the ACLU <laughs> apparently is like sending text messages to people to oppose this bill. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's pretty much on that ground. Like, like that's why they can't get on board is the association part. Right. Because they look at it as a freedom of exclusion. Yeah. Right. Right. That's how most, I, I think, if people of the left would see that. Yeah. And I think that is probably the intention. Yeah. That is, that is the motivation behind it is to make sure that people can have quote unquote, safe spaces for certain unpopular ideologies. Now that will be applied against the most unpopular, whether that's who it was intended for or not. Also, college kids are jerks and they will infiltrate just for the sake of infiltrate. That's true. <laughs> so I, I have mean, a lot of, a lot of faith in the ingenuity of college sophomores that is after not, years not, of teaching. Not just college kids, really. <laughs> yeah, we, we will figure out how to break your system, however you set the rules. Yeah. So um, the next thing, we're, we're done with the legislation. Um, if anyone has anything they'd like to hear us talk about, um, you can email podcast at um, lpgeorgia.com and let us know, and we'll do the research and talk about it. So um, the last thing we have on our agenda is all the upcoming events. Um, there were a bunch this last week, so it's a little shorter this week. Yay. Um, we did add a couple, though. So the Libertarian Party of Cobb County on March 14th is having their monthly meeting. It's at 11 a.m. at Come and Get It Family Restaurant in Marietta. Um, they, they're, that, the setup, sorry, I jumped around a lot there. Um, the setup there is pretty, pretty cool. They've got good, good breakfast and they've got a little like hidey hole type area designated for us to go have our meeting. It's um, a private room. Yeah. I don't know if they'd appreciate the hidey hole. That's okay. It's what Description. It is. Okay. That's great. It's, it's very spacious. Yeah, yeah. It's comfortable. <laughs> um, and it's a breakfast, so it's a little different from some of the other meetings. Um, yeah, so I, I have a good time there. Uh, Fayette Cowita is doing on March 28th. We talked about this before. Let's talk about schools at 1 p.m. at Lion Creek Brewing Company in Peachtree City. Uh, and then LP Atlanta, we talked about this as well. March 21st is Open Hands Meal Delivery. That's at 9 a.m. Um, and they're doing the training class, I think, at 10 if you mm-hmm. sign up and you've never done it before. Uh, and that's through, I think, 12 or 1. And then at, on March 22nd, the following Sunday, the following day, uh, is the monthly meeting, 2 p.m. at Manuel's Tavern in Atlanta. And I'm, I'm aware that I say that wrong. So everyone who's screaming at their radio right now. It's Manuel. <laughs> Yeah, but it's less fun to say it that way. I'll say I'll start saying Manny's. There you go. That won't piss anyone off. Then then you're a real Atlantan. Yeah. Um, and then in Gwinnett, they're having their monthly meeting on March 23rd. And that is 7 p.m. at McRae's Tavern in Lawrenceville, right on the square. And then Habersham County is having their next meeting March 28th, 7 p.m. at Whistletop Brew Company in Cornelia. Um, that's it for the upcoming events. Did you know, did you have anything else? Nope. Not, not that I'm aware of. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. If anyone wants to let us know, um, something, anything to talk about, as I mentioned before, podcast at lpgeorgia.com is the email. Um, volunteer for campaigns, volunteer for campaigns, please donate to our ballot access lawsuit. We have all kinds of ways to get involved right now. 
um, which is terribly exciting. (laughs) Um, Also, if you just go on to um, iTunes and rate and review or Stitcher and all that kind of stuff, that actually helps us pop up in more people's feeds Mm -hmm. um, when they're searching for us. And um, I think that's it. So thanks very much for your time and attention. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin MacLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.